Moms Unscripted is a production of Mops International. If you'd like to find a group near you, go to mops.org forward slash group search. If you'd like to start a group, go to mops.org forward slash start a group. Hey friends, we are so excited about today's episode because it is all about hope. And our guest is not really a guest at all, as you will soon find out. After a deep disappointment in her life, she asked herself the question, what is my relationship with hope now? Now that the hard thing has happened, now that life will never quite be the way it was, is hope still available to me? Today, we get to put our very own Leanna Tankersley on the hot seat, and we ask her all about her tricky relationship with hope. This episode is not about easy answers, clean conclusions, or spiritual language that doesn't deliver. It's about what actually happens when the hard thing happens and how we can keep going anyway. You all know Leanna, but here's a little bit of insider info. She is a mom, a writer, and a managing editor for our very own Mops magazine, available to members only, so make sure to become a member so you can get that. She's the author of six books, including the newly released Hope Anyway, which we all love so much. You need to go and pick out uh, your very own uh, version on Amazon right now so you can have it in your hands. Um, and today we're going to be talking about that book. Leanna has three kids ages 12, 12, and nine. Love that you have twins and love the story. What's the What's the book that you wrote about um, having the kids in the Middle East? Breathing Room. Breathing Room. Is, yeah. Uh, I have The twins were born in San Diego and then my youngest was born in Bahrain in the Middle East. So good. So good. She also has one spirited labradoodle. Oh my gosh, you guys, we started <laughs> recording this that podcast so a couple of weeks ago and we were just about to dive in and Leanna like had to take a call real quick and then she comes back on and she's like, you guys, my dog is in the back of my mother-in-law's car an hour away. She's going to the airport trying to catch a flight and the dog had snuck into her car. Amazing. She hitchhiked. She hitchhiked. She, she totally it was did. Two hours away, Mandy. And I was like, what in the crap? Like, anyway, it was, did she just like snuggle in the back and she just was quiet and she's Rosie is black, like black, big puffy fur. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, and then she was my, this is my former mother-in-law is, was here helping with my kids, my kids, Grammy. She's driving back to the airport to fly back home to California and she's in this huge Tahoe and she has a podcast blaring as loud as it'll go. You know, she's checking her phone and the dog, the dog is very clandestine. I mean, she could be like an FBI agent because she's done this to me before, but the interior of the car was charcoal gray. So the dog jumped in and got in the back and you can't see her. And she drove two hours with her. And then, um, Joni got out at the airport at at Avis to get her bags out of the back of the rental car. And there's the dog. And I mean, we're on the line with Annie F downs and my phone is like (laughs) buzzing off the hook. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? And you you have to answer. It's a 70 something year old woman who just left my, I need to be available. And she called like six times. Right. So anyway, was the dog in the back, back of the Tahoe or in the back seat? seat. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, then whenever you see somebody, like, obviously we're recording with Annie Downs and like you, you just see Leanna walk off (laughs) and, and you expect the, you expect the word. Like that's one of those scenarios where you get that text from that person or something. You're like, Oh no, Oh no, please don't let it be something bad. And then she walks off. He's like, yeah, my dog is two hours away in and an airport. Bad, like, but wait, you're not what? sure to laugh or cry or like a hundred percent Janella. I'm like dying <laughs> laughing. And also just like, this is a logistical <gasps> nightmare. Sure, sure. So right. I had a babysitter going to pick up my kids from school that day because we, because of the time when we needed to be recording. So there was already a sitter out there and, and I knew she had my kids. So I knew that Graham, oh, like at first you're just like my kids, my kids. Right. But Grammy didn't have my kids. So I knew my kids were okay. Anyway. So then the babysitter, I tell the babysitter what's going on. I'm like, I got to drive to Charlottesville right now. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, Leanna, let me do it. Oh, you take so the great. kids from me and I'll go to Charlottesville. She Did she, so, she went? That's a So friend. I paid the babysitter <laughs> to drive. Wow. She did not get home with the dog until 8 15 PM. At which point I was so glad I paid the babysitter to go and Seriously. do that. But I mean, you guys, I don't know. And then what's funny is that, uh, Joni Grammy had to catch her flight in the middle of all of this. And so did and she, you just, and, and you don't mess with this woman. You do not 
mess with this woman. She is a firecracker. She is on speedballs and Jesus. That is I want to see okay? the hidden camera footage of her noticing the dog in the car. She walks into Avis and she says, there is a dog in the car. I'm leaving her. She's going to be in there for the next one to two hours while someone is driving here to get her. I'm going to go catch my flight and you don't need to worry about it. And you don't need to ask me any questions. Oh my gosh. I wish I was that ballsy. She left the I dog. I love it. She just left the dog. The windows I mean, are down. She's fine. I guess what else Someone's was she coming supposed to, get her. to do? Right. Wow. And the guy at Avis got a like, plane okay. to catch. He said, he said, yes, ma'am. That's Absolutely. what he said. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> does, he, does the dog need to potty? Does it yeah. need water? Wow. I'll go get dog food. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. These were things that were not discussed. She just said, that's it. So anyway, that's a long tale. But yes, that gives you a little glimpse into this freaking dog. <laughs> Rosie. 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 This is why things like this happen to you and Mandy, authors mm-hmm. and speakers, because you have to have these stories to tell. You gotta have material. Oh, good you stories. need material. Yeah. When yeah. stuff happens to you, yeah, Mandy, but does. you need material. I do. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we uh whenever we post this, we'll have to also get the picture of the dog and yes, post it on our social definitely. media so everyone can know the culprit, this sneaky dog oh, that puts you through this. Just a doll and a deer, and she is dumb, and she is naughty. And you know, and when but you then it's saw like, what her, are you gonna do? It's were like, you I'm like all attached to her? Were you like when your kid like runs away in the mall and you see them and you're like, don't ever do that again? But then you hug them and you're like, I'm so happy to see you, but don't ever do that again. Is that what you did to Rosie? And we Rosie was so like, what? You are so naughty. Yeah. We love you so much. <laughs> yeah. You are so naughty. Exactly Sweet right. Rosie. Exactly. I always say she is the worst best decision I've ever made. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she was a good decision, but and like, I, and I'm glad that she doesn't understand human language. You're I the know. worst best decision. <laughs> <laughs> and you're this, dumb. This actually yeah. parlays into our conversation today because um as you guys know and as we're going to talk about in 2017, I sort of abruptly found out that my marriage was ending and it was an unwanted mm. thing. It was unexpected and it was that year that for Christmas, I decided, I don't know what else is going to happen, but we're getting a puppy for Christmas mm. this year. And it was that Christmas because my kids needed fun. They needed joy. They needed comfort. We all needed a distraction. And so it was that Christmas. And actually we brought her home. The, my twin's birthday is December 23rd and she was ready to come home on December 23rd. And so we went and got her on their birthday and brought her home. And she has been Um, just this incredible through line through this whole walking out and rebuilding, walking out of grief and Mm. rebuilding. Literally, I've had to take her out five times a day in the midst of some of the hardest Mm. days of my life. Mm. And she's gotten me up and gotten me moving. And so Mm. I try to forgive her when she does terrible things like she does because she has been such a source of joy and comfort and love for all of us um, and a source of a lot of Good, good perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, but I do say that. That's one of my pieces of advice to people. If you're going through a crisis, sometimes that's the perfect time. Buy a puppy. Get, yeah, get, get a, a distraction. Dog. Get a dog. <laughs> so we get to talk about your book, Hope Anyway. Tell us, you, you just mentioned a little bit, but the genesis of where this idea came from as you were starting to think about what you were going to write next. Yeah, so I um, had, in 2017, I had been married Um almost 15 years. And we had three little kids and my then husband came back from a year long deployment and let me know, as I just said, in this really, really difficult conversation that, um, that he was choosing a divorce. And, you know, I always caveat that by saying that no marriage is perfect and we all have hard days and hard seasons in our marriage. So it's not like we had a perfect marriage, but I just wasn't, um, expecting this as an outcome for us. And so, Um, I, as a result of that, you know, I'm always writing and I'm always uh, using writing as a way to kind of help me make sense of my experiences and what I'm going through. And so I started writing about this, um, about the experience I was, we were going through as a family just for myself. And one of the questions that came up for me was around hope (laughs) and is hope a trick? And how do we still have hope when what we had planned on evaporates when things don't go as we planned, because that's all of our lives. Things don't go as planned. That's just what, whether it's a divorce, a death, a financial downturn, things don't always go as planned. And so, um, 
what do we do with this idea? As a faithful person, I still wanted to believe in hope. I didn't want to be a cynic. I didn't want to just be numb and apathetic. But what do we do with hope when um, the outcomes don't arrive in the way that we had planned, believed, prayed for, all of that? So I started writing about hope. And then um, then the pandemic started a little while later. And I saw people in the midst of really hard circumstances being really resilient and creative. And I realized that hope is actually one of the strongest things inside the human spirit. It can be if we will think about it in the right way and feed it. And so I wanted to write about hope, but I wanted to do it in a way that actually reflected our lives and how they're not perfect and they're not easy and they don't always turn out the way that we had hoped. So I tacked on that little word anyway to the end of the title, because how do we have hope anyway, despite as a result of all of these things? So. I appreciate that so much because for a lot of my life, hope has felt like an uncomfortable concept and just kind Mm -hmm. of like an impotent, um, something I didn't really want to put a lot of thought or trust or, or I don't know, like it it just didn't feel like something that I resonated with. And then I read your Mm -hmm. book and it reframed it in such a powerful and potent way. So Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the ways that I'm trying to reframe hope in the writing here is, um, a lot of the way that we use the word hope is really like a wish, right? Mm -hmm. Like I hope the chargers win the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl, and I hope it snows on Christmas and I hope I don't get terrible wrinkles, you know, whatever it is, (laughs) like it's a wish and it's all about an outcome. And what I realized in my life is that a lot of times we don't get the outcomes that we wanted. I certainly didn't. And so then am I supposed to abandon my relationship with hope when I don't get the outcome that I was praying for, working toward, um, you know, had invested in. And so I, I, as I wrote about hope and started thinking about it more, I thought, you know, we've got to change this from hoping for something because we don't have a lot of control over that, mm-hmm. especially because we don't have a lot of control over other people to hoping in So changing our hope as it relates to outcomes and thinking about, instead of hoping for, how can I hope in? And so I, in the book, I write 27 different chapters about all these different things that I found when I invested my hope in, they would hold. Maybe that's the people in our lives. Maybe that's the crazy pets in our lives that get us going and get us (laughs) moving. Um, Our small practices that seem like nothing on the surface, but when we invest hope in them, they hold for us. Mm-hmm. It's not the sexy things typically, and it's not the big things typically. It's these small everyday moments that um, keep us going and sustain us. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to, I totally agree with you, Mandy, that we have turned hope into this thing that just feels like clouds and pixie dust. Mm. And I actually think it's much stronger and much more resilient than that. But I think it's finding the things in our lives that God has given us that actually do sustain us and then continuing to invest in them, even though it's not the most glamorous process. Yeah. Hope is so powerful. Have you heard of this rat study where they, um, it's terrible, but they put wild rats and then domesticated rats and put them in a pool of water. And do you have a guess as to whether the wild rats or domesticated rats did better? Oh gosh, no idea. The wild rats. I was going to say maybe the wild Drowned. No, they they drowned within like 17 minutes or something like that. The domesticated rats went, I I think it was a day and a half. It was a remarkable amount. And the reason was because they had hope. Mm. They had hope that someone was going to come and rescue them. And so then they Mm. tried it with wild rats. They put wild rats in right before they were about to drown. They plucked them out of the water, put them back in. And they lasted the same amount of time as the domesticated rats. So it it just goes to show how powerful this idea of hope is to keep us going, to Mm -hmm. give us resilience and to really fortify us in those moments where we don't know if we can go another minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what's, you know, so that rat knew what it was hoping in. It's hoping in a person coming that 
is taking care of it. And when we're in our dark moments, when we're in our drowning moments, when we have invested hope in those relationships and those people, it's the same. It's a perfect metaphor. It's like, we know that there are people around us that are going to buoy us and help be a part Mm. of that with us. Uh, And so we've invested hope in those relationships. You know, that was one thing that was very sustaining to me is the people in my life, the people around me during this time. So I love that. I mean, that's kind of gnarly, actually. That right? study, it's but terrible. <laughs> I know. Terrible. It makes me feel but so sad. But it is a good metaphor for what happens when we know there's people in our lives we can count on mm-hmm. that we've invested in. It's good. It's really good. Well, and I'm curious, how has your definition of hope changed? Like, obviously, your relationship with hope, like that's a, a part of the book. Did, how are you redefining it throughout that whole process for yourself? Yeah, I think it... Um, I always thought about hope in terms of what we were going to ultimately get or what, you know, getting this, arriving at a certain point. And I realized that it's, it's just, that isn't the way that hope, um, best sustains and supports us. And so, uh, in the beginning of the book, I, I kind of do these two different definitions of hope where I talk about help me hope, which is this mm. idea of like, please, 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 God, give me what I want, you know, which is a really immature toddler version of hope. And then by, and then I talk about, you know, what I'm going to parse out as I write is this is, is a much deeper, much more mature, I think, uh, version of hope, which is hard won hope, which is the idea that, um, we are loved, we are seen, uh, we are companioned even when, the worst thing happens, Mm -hmm. that hope doesn't live because the hard thing never happened. It's actually at its best when the hard thing does. Mm -hmm. That's how I had to change, Matt, because I guess I thought hope exists um, to keep us from the hard thing, but the hard thing happens. And so when the hard thing happens, um, this hard won hope was like uh, this reality that just as I said, I was loved, I was seen, I was companioned. I was witnessed no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think that that is an important thing to have in your, in your heart and in your humanity as you going for, as you go forward in life that, um, no matter what happens, we're not going to be annihilated. There's this beautiful passage in Lamentations and most of us know it from, um, the part where it says his mercies are new every morning, great is your faithfulness, which is beautiful. But if you back up a little bit before that, there's this scripture that has been so present for me during this season. And it's simply this, because of God's great love, we are not consumed. Mm. That to me is really a very powerful definition of hope. I am so loved that no matter what the outcome, I won't be consumed. Mm. And I can put hope in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I come back to, I put that in my pocket and I walked around with that for like, I don't know, two years because days feel consuming. I don't know if you guys have ever been through anything. I'm sure you have. That's like, this is going to consume me. I'm drowning. I'm the rat in the middle of the pool and no mm-hmm. one's coming. Uh, but I, I think this idea that, that because of God's great love, there's nothing that can ultimately annihilate us, consume us. There's this. God image in us that, um, is there and is resilient. And, and, and I don't know, that to me is really the, the heart and epitome of hope. Yeah. Can you identify, have you spent time thinking about this? I'm sure you have the Leanna then and the Leanna now, Mm. because it had, it had no choice but to change you in some sort of way. Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, going through loss changes a person and having to reorder your life based on a whole new set of um, facts changes a person. One of the one of the most significant things, um, it, it happened right in the beginning of, uh, you know, I, I walked out of a counselor counseling appointment um, and I thought in that counseling appointment, I was going to be able to convince everyone that we were going to keep this marriage together and this is what we were going to do. And I wasn't able to do that in that appointment. I walked out and I was re-grieving all over again, the reality that, no, this is, this is ending. And I sat in my car and I was like, you know, God, what am I supposed to do? And I remember God saying to me, Leanna, you are not losing your person. You're finding your person and your person is you. Mm. 
that can sound like a, well, yeah, of course I was losing my person and I was, but the focus of this and the focus of the last four years has been a returning to, um, who I am and, um, reinvesting in myself. This, this may sound like selfish or something, but I think it's the exact opposite that I think there had been a lot of years where I had been kind of abandoning myself or overriding myself. And this was a time for me to come back home and say, you are going to be able to count on you. Your person is you. And, um, you are not going to just disappear in the face of all this. So I think that the Leanna then probably didn't trust herself as much, probably didn't trust her own strength as much and probably thought, um, there's no way I can figure out finances and Mm -hmm. how to make, how to grill (laughs) and (laughs) how to get my car repaired. And now I realize like, I'm not perfect at any of those things, but, um, I can, yeah, my person is me. I can count on me. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. That's a really big Mm -hmm. deal. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does new Leanna, uh, I guess indulge, but take care of herself where the old Leanna didn't like you've, you've had this kind of shift in your life. What are some things that you've now incorporated saying, you know what it's I'm taking care of me now. And that's what this looks yeah. like. Well, well, Matt, I just started jujitsu. Nice. I don't know if you want to hear about that. <laughs> ah, I, I don't know if our listeners do, but I do. That is fascinating. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. I mean, that's a small example and I'll, I could talk more about that, but, um, the reality that it's okay to be a person of need and desire and humanity, and it's okay to turn toward yourself in those places and to, um, and yeah, take care of yourself. I mean, a lot of counseling, a lot of spiritual direction, a lot of movement with my body. And also, you know, really early on when this happened, I had this, this deep desire to want to be near closer to family. We were on the West coast at the time. A lot of my family was on the East coast and I just felt like I needed the stability and security of my family. Uh, It was the most difficult decision I've ever made as a parent, as a person to uproot our lives and these three precious children who were already going through a lot and move them across the country. And yet I felt in my gut, like this was the right thing for us. And this was going to be the way that we were going to rebuild. And, um, so So part of taking care of myself is to, um, trust myself a little bit with these kinds of big decisions. And so, uh, yeah, that's what we did. We moved. And that was a way that I, I think I, um, put all of us on a trajectory of rebuilding and it was hard and I doubted and I second guessed and I experienced a lot of shame and questioning. And, and now I am at peace with that decision and know that it was a really important part of our healing as a family. Um, so I think one of the ways that I take care of myself now is by saying, I think I can trust myself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm curious For how sure. you have helped your kids navigate this idea of hope in the midst of hard and disappointing things. Yeah, it's reg- it's it's normalizing that hard things are going to happen. I think this is another way that I've changed. There was a time in my life as a parent, especially, and this probably speaks to some of the trauma that I went through as a child. My parents were divorced when I was nine. The twins were nine when this, when our marriage broke up. And so it re, it was, it was very re-traumatizing. And so I, I think I had ordered my life as a parent to try to avoid my kids having to ever be in pain. And the heart of that is good as a mother. Like we just don't want to see our kids hurting. But the reality is they need to be set up to know how to navigate pain because it's going to be a part of life. And I remember a therapist saying that to me early on. I was undone because not only are you going through this hard loss, you're trying to help your children navigate this hard loss. And it's deeply painful to watch your young children in this kind of pain and with questions that you cannot answer, that you don't have an answer for. And how do you talk to two nine-year-olds and a Mm six-year-old about the intricacies of a situation like this. And I remember a therapist saying to me, you are teaching them right now mm-hmm. how to deal with pain. Mm-hmm. That is a lifelong skill Absolutely. that they will need. Absolutely. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want them to ever have any, you know, but she's right. She was right then. And I've seen it since. And so I've tried to create an environment in our home, first of all, where 
we do talk about emotions. And of course, sometimes my kids are like, this is so awkward, mom. Like, I don't want to talk this. Just, just stop. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, but I think in the end, I'm creating a culture in our home where we talk about things and we acknowledge that hard things are a part of life. I don't know if you guys were raised in a household where, um, and in many households were like this growing up where it's just difficult to dip down into the harder emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm trying to create this, a, a household and a culture here where the spectrum of emotions is normal. It's just normal. Yeah. I feel like we do that as adults. I think we're, we still kind of oh. put our head in the sand of like, nope, that's not happening. And that's not happening. But I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> this isn't the right word, but it's the emotion that I'm feeling. Um, as your friend, I'm proud of you hmm. because it could, it, and maybe it did at some point, but it could have turned real dark. Right. And and then I think when you're going through that dark, everyone else feels it around you. I could almost cry thinking about it Mm -hmm. because it's not, you know, having walked a few folks through divorce, it's just so ugly. And and that person who you you, you come out different and you come out um, worse off. And so I'm glad to see the joy and the goodness Mm -hmm. that has come out of something hard. Tell me, I'm sure you um, did tons of research for the book, but the the correlation between the hope in the Bible and all Mm -hmm. of those stories and the stories today, like and how you may be modeled after someone and their hope. Was there was there something like that that you picked up on? Yeah, I mean, um, (laughs) It's a complicated story, but I think about the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. His hope is that, hey, hey, God, is there any way we could get this done yeah. another way? Yeah. Is that, would that be possible? Like, I'm here, I'm here for you, but like, let's get this done a different way. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I, I, rem, I bring that back to um, this desire for a different outcome. And sometimes God says to us, And I also want to focus on the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life as the story goes, right? So we sometimes think I can do everything right. Why is this bad thing happening Mm -hmm. to me? I am owed a different outcome because I did everything right. Well, Jesus did everything right and Jesus was killed. So we have to remember that. And um, Jesus himself wanted it to go differently. He wanted it to go differently. and, And his father said, no. And he surrendered and he said, not my will, but yours. That has been a path for me um, through this whole thing is that if God asked Jesus to surrender to an outcome he didn't want, he might ask me to do the same. Mm. And I have this gorgeous quote in the book and in my life and in my heart from Barbara Brown Taylor. And it says this, new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb or Jesus in the tomb new life starts in the dark. And I held on to that as hope. Mm. Sometimes what we think is an ending is actually only a beginning. And I don't say that as a cliche or just kind of a a happy-go-lucky answer. That's hard work. It's hard work to go into the ground. You know, the Bible talks about the seed has to get pushed down into the Mm -hmm. ground and it has to break open to become the oak tree it was meant to be. And as I always say, I'd like to put the seed in a beautiful bowl from anthropology and put it on my mantle and sing like Adele lyrics to it for it to become the tree it was meant to be, you know, but that's not how it goes. And that's not what scripture tells us. It gets shoved into the darkness and it breaks open. Mm -hmm. So for me, I find actually, I know this sounds terrible, but I find a lot of hope in that because it's a normalizing of the darkness has work that it's going to do on us if we will let it, if we will cooperate. Look at the womb. Look at the ground. Yeah. Look at the tomb. Yeah. Look Amen. at the cocoon. Amen. We don't get our expansion and our wings and our new life any other way. So when I look at scripture and I lay that over the top of my life, I say, okay, I don't like it. Jesus didn't like it, but there are gifts in the darkness. So how can I open my eyes? How can I look around? And how can I believe that new life is on its way? Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Lena, I think we've all gone through 
situations where we wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, it's one foot in front of the other. Like I can't even think about tomorrow. I just have to make it through today. And I'm sure you had days like that. And so I'm curious for anyone listening right now or any of us, um, what do you do on the day when you wake up and you're like, I, I don't know if I can face what today looks like. Hmm. Man. I remember looking at my bed and saying, if I get in there, I'm never going to get out. Like they're going to have to come with one of those giant slings that they move whales in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like scoop me up and move me out. Cause if I get in there, I'm never getting out. And, um, so I understand that Mandy. And I, I just, I, I know what that feels like. And grief, as they say, is somatic, which means that it lives in our bodies. And so it's our bodies that hurt, that um, feel heavy, that feel immobile when we're grieving. And so I think for me, what has helped me is then to, to match that inertia with some kind of embodied movement. So I talk in jokingly about this dumb dog of ours that I love, <laughs> that I love to, you know, talk bad about, talk trash about. Sorry, Rosie. She's like sitting in the chair next to me. Um, but when we first moved to the East coast, we lived in an apartment and I, it was a, a loft apartment and I had three little kids and a dog and me in this apartment. And we had come from an acre that we lived on in Southern California where we just let the dog roam. Right. So I'd never really had to do the whole practice of taking the dog out. So four to five times a day, this dog with the pea-sized bladder has got to go out. And I like half, I am so emotionally exhausted that like getting groceries, I have to take a nap after getting groceries. I mean, I was just, I was very fragile. And yet here's this dog looking at me, you know, and my alternative is then to have the dog have an accident and clean up after it. So I'm like, oh, I got to take her out. And I'll tell you what, walking that dog around downtown Lynchburg, it saved me. And I could mm. cry right now talking about it because mm. it got me up, it got me out, it got my body that was tired and sad moving. And I also saw beauty. For the first time in, a, in 20 years, I was living in a place that had four distinct seasons. And so I walked out through dogwoods, through changing leaves, through fireflies. I hadn't mm. seen fireflies in 20 years, through um, ice storms. I saw it all. And it was that dog walking me through it. So what I say to people who feel like I just can't face today, how can you move your body? Because moving our body gets the grief moving. Mm -hmm. And also, it is not all up to you. This is something God kept whispering in my ear. It's not all up to you. It's not. So sometimes we feel like we have to take every bit of the circumstance and we have to put it on our back. We got to put our kids on our back. We got to put all the family members that are involved on our back and we got to hike them out through this. And it's not all up to you. So don't go through it alone. You don't have to, yeah. you're not meant to. And get up and get moving, even if it's taking the dog for a five minute walk. You know, I, maybe you guys have heard me say this before, but I always say, Leanna, if you don't know what to do, make soup because soup requires us to chop, right? And it, and it helps us get back into our bodies. So I have this soup recipe I always make when I'm feeling that feeling like you're talking about, Mandy, where it's just like, I cannot function. I can't remember like two out of the three of my children's names. I haven't showered in four days. Um, okay, I'm going to make soup. Because you get the cutting board out and you get the onion out and you get the garlic out and you start moving and then you create something which is incredibly fulfilling when you're depressed or anxious. And then you give it to someone who mm. eats it and says, thank you. That's really, I mean, hopefully, thank you. That's really good. <laughs> and I have this one soup that my kids call it the special soup and it's not special. And every time I make it, they, oh my gosh, mom, the special soup. Thank you so much. <laughs> and the reason why it's special to me is because it gets me out of my depressive moments mm. and it gets my hands moving and it feeds us all. That's pretty good for a hard day. Yeah. One of the key things that I feel whenever I hear stuff like that is responsibility, not for mm. responsibility for myself, but responsibility to make sure that I am there for others. Like yep. the way that that dog was there for you, Mandy, you've mentioned a story about how you struggled to get out of bed and it was mm -hmm. your best friend mm -hmm. coming over and getting you out of mm -hmm. bed. And whether that's your mops group 
or your church or your mm-hmm. community, whoever that is, I, whenever I hear something like that, I was like, man, I have a sense of responsibility to keep my eyes open, to keep my ears open yeah, and to be available when people can't get out of bed and have that community because without it, without that dog, like yeah. I, I think sometimes, and, and there's, there's like faith and trust and mm-hmm. all of that. And I think we, I mean, you already said it, Leanna, we all need each other. Mm-hmm. And I think the sooner we realize that the healthier mm-hmm. we can all yeah. be together. And I think that's just that's super right. important. Yeah. I say this too. There's always a hand reaching towards you. There is always, that is, that is to me the definition of grace. Grace means there's always a hand reaching towards you. Sometimes that hand is um, a crazy labradoodle. You know, we want the hand to look a certain way and to come in a certain package and to rescue us once and for all and pull us out of the water that we're drowning in. Sometimes that hand just helps us take the next step. And sometimes we get to be that hand for somebody else, you know, just a meal, just a phone call, a text. Like I, you know, I told the story about my sister who would send me this text, you know, when I was in line for pickup at school and it was just simply checking in. That was a hand that reached toward me every single day. And so I agree with you, Matt. There's a lot of people that are hurting and they just need a simple hand. They don't need to be rescued or fixed or advised or any, they just need a hand, Mm. (laughs) you know? And so, and then when we are in that place, putting our our glasses on so that we see that sometimes the hand coming toward us is our, our chopping block and a knife and an onion and garlic. Uh, It's not, um, it's not the whole situation getting put back together in one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. It's the next step. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. And I, I think, to, to piggyback with that, going back to scripture, Janelle, as you were asking, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy on the stretcher whose legs don't work, right? I don't want to be that guy who's getting taken to the house where Jesus is. And his friends are like, well, we can't get you in the front door. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. All right. You ready? Yeah. We're going to take you up to the, the roof. Now we know you can't move. Um, and we know you're completely pressed, but it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be just fine. And we're going to saw a hole in the roof of the house and we're going to lower you down to Jesus. And it's going to be completely fine. Like I, I want to be the person that comes up with that great idea. I don't want to be the person who's laying there helpless and vulnerable. And, um, part of this is, realizing that sometimes it is our responsibility to grab a corner of a stretcher. And sometimes we are in a season where we've got to lay there and allow help to, to come and and pick us up, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's part of humanity and being human and being in right relationships with each other is, is need mutual need and help, but it's hard. hard. I want to be the person who has the solution. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, for sure. What Leanna is bringing you hope these days. Oh, I love that question. Uh, my kids are bringing me a lot of hope these days, I guess, because now they're 12, 12 and nine. And I feel like we're, we're, uh, more on the other side of this transition than we have yet been. And life feels more grounded. And again, it's just like the gratitude that I feel for that is, Mm -hmm. is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so to see them thriving, to see them laugh, to see them have really solid relationships with both their parents, with each other. Uh, it brings, it gives me so much hope and, and their senses of humor give me hope. Like, thank you, God, my kids are funny. Like, you know, you're worried about that for a while. Like, are they going to be dorks and like not be funny? Like I need to have funny kids, you know, and they're really funny. And so that gives me a lot of hope that we're going to be laughing. We are going to have a lot of laughter ahead. Mm. Um, I love that. You know, I love that. Um, that's my, that's the first thing I can think of. Yeah. Coffee always brings me hope. It does. <sighs> it does. You always have a yeah. cup of coffee in your hand. I love coffee. And you I love think beverages the, across the board, I lo- right? I mean, guys, let's just <laughs> zip the A. Leanna just held up coffee. all of her mugs. <laughs> yeah. How many on average cups do you have on your desk at one I given time? Three always. Three? And there's another one over there. There's two right here and another one over there in the kitchen. So yeah, I mean, I'm a drinker. I'm a heavy, heavy drinker. You guys, <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> That'll be the quote LaCroix, that we put in social Michael. media. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a heavy drinker. drinker. You should listen heavy to this episode. Drinker. That's what that's the bio, well, right? the, the mystery that's is what's in, what's in the cups. <laughs> that's, that's what's interesting. No, 
it's wow. I promise right now it's it's legal legal beverages. Coffee, tea, water. <laughs> coffee yeah. and water. Coffee and water. Hydrate and caffeinate oh. in equal measures. Oh. That's always my mm. formula. You know, mm. hydrate, caffeinate, hydrate, caffeinate. But I think what else brings me hope is, as I said uh, previously, I have some really exceptional people in my life and they keep close tabs on me and they make me laugh and they yeah. love me so well. And I just don't feel like I could ever be a person that slips through the cracks because mm. I'm so loved. And that brings me a lot of hope. And, um, yeah, it's like, there's, there's always a hand reaching toward me Amen. and that gives me a lot of hope too. Amen. I love how you talked about when you were taking Rosie for walks that you would recognize the changing of the seasons mm. and how what is happening right now is not going to last forever and something yeah. new is coming. And so what I see in you and um, just being your friend is that a new season's coming. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like something's shifting. Do you feel that too? Like there's a new season on the horizon for you? You know, I hope so, Mandy, to use our, to use our buzzword. <laughs> um, one of the ways that I define hope too is, is, um, welcoming possibilities. Mm. Mm. And that's one of the things I think I'm doing in my life right now is like, um, Elizabeth Gilbert has this beautiful quote that says, I'm leaving space in my life for yet to come surprises. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there is this little like flicker in me that says, Leanna, there are some yet to come surprises. And, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm naturally optimistic, I think anyway, but I also feel like, I don't know what those surprises are going to be. I'd love to, I'd love to take some guesses, but I don't know, mm -hmm. but I do believe that, um, yeah, it does feel like a new day, Mandy. It does. And everything has been finalized. That chapter has been closed. And, um, as I said, we're less in transition than we've ever been. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I am looking forward to see what yet to come surprises arrive. Your new career as a jujitsu competitor. <laughs> Don't mess and with her. That's what I learned from this whole podcast. Don't you mess have, with her. Oh you have got to, where did that come from? Okay. I love so, it. Both my girls, my girls are involved in jujitsu. My son is not, not interested. My girls are involved in jujitsu. You guys know I was a college athlete. I played volleyball. So I'm always like, I'm always into movement and exercising. It's important to me. But as life gets busier and as a single mom of three, it's hard to incorporate movement into my life and, and like regular exercise. I do it, but I'm always looking for a way to be more consistent. Okay. Then also separately, my girls are involved in jujitsu. Well, recently Lane, my oldest daughter, 12 years old, got brought up to the adult class. So three times a week, I sit there at the jujitsu academy through the, ch the children's class for L for an hour and then through the adult class with Lane for an hour. And I'm just sitting there and it ends up being almost like two and a half hours mm. that I'm just sitting there. And so their professor came over to me, the black belt that teaches them recently. And he said, you know, you could Why are get you out there on the mat. There? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't actually do jujitsu. Like, <laughs> hello, I'm almost 46 years old. And like, I, I don't. And also if you are someone like me, being a beginner at something is not something I want to be like, it's all, it's very good for us in our lives to be beginner at things once in a while. But, um, I wasn't really wanting to like get out there in a full spandex ensemble as a beginner <laughs> at anything, you know, like, no, thank you anyway. But then this question, God's been asking me this question a lot recently, Leanna, what's in your hands? What's in your hands? And the question implies already, like what is already in your hands? And so right. I was talking to a friend in a separate conversation, like, man, I just would love to get back into the gym and be exercising more consistently. And then I heard that in my head. Well, what's in your hands? Well, I am sitting there <laughs> for two and a half hours, and a half hours. <laughs> three nights a week. Oh, gosh. Uh, could I could order myself a gi and get out there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So guess what, guys? Tuesday was my first class. I love it. And I just went for it. And my girls, they were begging me, you know, and they, mom, please, please, you'll be so good. You'll love it. It's so fun. And I got out there and it was great. Oh, it's, my goodness. I'm not good. I have no like, idea what I'm doing. You're grappling on the mm -hmm. ground. Correct. Uh, like I, yeah, leg I locks. I fully and plan on putting Emery in jujitsu because the <laughs> – here's a plug for jujitsu. Um, <laughs> most karate styles – are on your feet. Uh -huh. Jiu-jitsu's on the ground. 
And especially as a girl or a woman, I believe you should always know what to do once you get on the ground oh, as yeah. far as self-defense goes. Yeah. So I, I, my, my wife, she was a black belt in like karate. And so she did that. That's great. And I want her, if Emory wants to do karate, it's great, but I still want her to do jujitsu because you have to oh, know what happens when you get on the ground. Yeah. So you start standing and then you have to get your opponent down mm-hmm. or they get you down. And then Matt's right. It's like human chess. You're like trying to figure out, but there's no striking, which that was my, I, I do not want my daughters in something where they're striking. I'm not interested in that, but so it's like, yeah, you're grappling and you're learning how to get the physical advantage, no matter what your size is or whatever. So I don't know you guys. It's I a lot love that. of contact. Like, mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Your face is in a lot of places. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Which is why on my first night, I stuck very close to Lane. Because I was like, if I've got to be like in some of these positions, it's going to be with my daughter yeah. and not like some weirdo dude that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, but who knows? Who knows what may come of that? That's right. right. That's so anyway, cool. But it is empowering and it is a form of learning self-defense and it's great exercise and I'm already there and it's in my hands. So, you know, I love, if I come back with a black eye, yeah. you guys know why. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so good as adults to do new things, like you said, to be beginners like Jay with your drumming. I mean, you just pick that up and you are a boss drummer. I am. Yeah. And you've now <laughs> done a live you. performance yeah. in front of 2000 people. <gasps> You're right, Matt. Yeah, that was really cool. I've been enjoying the drums. And when you said new things, that's where I'm at right now. I'm also learning Italian. And now I want to look into jujitsu or something. Yeah, you do. do. Yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with the drums, as you guys know. But I um, I think doing something new coming off of something so hard for me was my brother's passing. But for the loss that you went through, it almost it's a it wasn't a um, kind of like a distraction of like, Oh, I don't want to think about anything else hard, but it was a good distraction for me. Yep. Same. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just newly into it, even just watching the girls and see they, you know, my girls compete and they're, they're bosses That's amazing. and it's awesome, you know, and, and they're learning too, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's a good place to put all this energy mm-hmm. and, um, and to kind of come back into our bodies. I'm sure drumming is the same way. Mm-hmm. I can just get into my head, head, head. Like mm-hmm. I'm a walking head. There's no body. Mm-hmm. And doing something that requires you to kind of integrate. It's so good for us. It's and so good. New pathways and all that. And it's very vulnerable. I'm just going to tell you right now, like it's, I don't, I don't want to be a beginner at anything, but I think it is true as adults and to show our kids, all right, mom will get out there. I'll give it a shot. You yeah. know, just don't make fun. Don't mock me openly, please. You know, it's my, yeah. the only thing I'm going to ask. Speaking of new things, and we've already talked about it, but um, you were ready to date. Have you been on any That's her, dates? her next new thing, I feel like. I do, too. Right? That's I number think that's two on the list. was kind of giving me I, some, like, yeah, winks. Yeah, she's giving me some I, vibes I through. I am the, ready to date. And yeah. I am say that with um, having not been able to say that prior. Yeah. But I am ready to date now. The thing is, guys, I am not sure I'm ready to go on some kind of a dating app. Okay. Right? That's fair. Yeah, that that's kind fair. of just yeah. feels like, ugh, feels I don't know. Scary. I don't have a lot of time. No one has a lot of time. And that just feels like, I don't know. I don't know. But I am, I would definitely go out on a date, especially I'd rather it be like, here's this person I know. They're great. You should meet them. And let's, does let's that ever all, happen or no? Yes, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. I have two visions like of, of a guy it, that I, to vision like the person, like what he looks like, what he does for a living, who he is for profiles. You. Who tell us, wow. tell us what the profiles it, are. The, yeah, it's a, it's Mick, it's Mick Steamy, mm. not Mick Dreamy, but Mick Steamy. So ripped. Wait, I don't know who Mick Steamy so is. So he was, he wasn't, he wasn't um, Gray's husband, Mick Dreamy. He was Mick Steamy, and I forget his name. He's yeah, he's like in the, the Redeeming Love trailer, isn't he? What is that's he? the actor, and he's, he's a doctor. tall. He's salt pe- salt pepper gray, mm-hmm. very like just <gasps> beautiful to look at. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And but but kind and and caring, and I feel like you need a strong man who's also very very soft and very tender and knows the Lord, duh, but also has some really cool skill sets. Um, yeah, I love that. that. You just nailed oh, yeah. it, Jay. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Isn't, don't you think? Absolutely. That guy for her? Absolutely. Okay. What if Man, someone else that. runs your dating app for you? 
You could filter it. Are your armpits sweating? <laughs> My back is sweating. Your back Janelle is applying. Something's, something's always sweating on Leanna when we start talking about guys. Um, I mean, I don't know, Janella. I would trust you. I'll tell you right now. I'm I do trust you, you Janella. And I feel like I feel like you just have a Matt's showing you a I picture mean, of McSteamy. That is nice, right? That is really and nice. The, okay, so that's the yeah. first. Remember, I told you I have two. The other one is like of um of a different um ethnicity. Great. But maybe Italian. Yeah. Oh. Or, right? Yes. Who loves to travel Super and will passionate. take you around the world. Yes. Yep. I love passionate. that. I love yeah. a passionate dude. Okay. I'll be, yeah. I'll be working yeah. on that. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. This is very exciting. <laughs> Everyone listening to. I feel excited about <laughs> this and not like. I mean, I am a little sweaty, but not like how I used to be yes, sweaty. Yes, yes. talk about this. Yes, so. we would actually see your sweat before. And now it's now it's more of a glisten. <laughs> yeah, so go and send I'm us the P.O. Box number that we need to insert into the show notes that for any inquirers. <laughs> oh my no, no, God, no. Lying. Send it to it's us fun. first and then we'll, we'll approve it. We'll vet it, it. Yeah. Then, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I also gotcha. feel like, and maybe this goes without saying, but I just also feel like that would be... I, I'm at a place in my life where I do feel stable. I feel stable in every area. Mm. And so this would just be like, that's important. Um, icing on the cake, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. like a great joy to be able to find someone to enjoy being with and to laugh with. Mm. Um, but I do feel like it, it's no longer a situation where I need someone to come rescue me or yeah. like I need to get, you know, pulled out of the, the drowning rat mm-hmm. scenario. So that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. You're incredible, Leanna. Oh, Janella, thank you. Thank you, you guys. This has been such like a very tender conversation. Thank you for mm. tolerating the downpour of tears too. Good. It's cleansing. Yeah. So it is. Good. Yeah. We'll see what's to come, you guys. I'm I'm here I am. All right, everybody go out and order Hope Anyway. It's so good. You will love it. And man, what a gift. So grateful to get to do this with you. Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, you Thanks, guys Leanna. so much. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if we were like officially like goodbye. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I edit that aisle almost every Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash moms unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the mops table.